0: Hey friends, Mina here. Just jumping in here to let you guys know we have something so exciting. It's a free masterclass and we created it just for you right now.
1: We keep getting questions. How do I pivot and sell right now? The number one question we get is how can I make more sales? And so we wanna teach you how to create a plan to boost your sales and grow your business right now. So if you want this totally free masterclass that we've created for product-based businesses, head over to pivotandsell.com. We'll see you in there.
0: Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I
1: want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Meena Kulositap, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my stylish co-host, Mina Kunlo sitap
0: Hey, Jacqueline.
1: I to say hey, Mina. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she you distracted just... me with making a
1: cute little stylish face in the, yes. in the window. I just it off because I'm so stylish. <laughs> so today we are really excited and honored to have a very special guest with us. We have Larissa Loden. She's a CEO and boss babe of Larissa. Loden. Jewelry, welcome Larissa. Hi,
2: thank you so much for having me. We're
1: so excited to have you. We've known you for a while now. You're in the top mastermind with us. You are amazing. Um, We're just really honored that you actually work with us, to be honest.
2: (laughs) I love working with you guys. You guys always give me like, uh, we had our call today and I just like walked away and I was like, okay, yeah, this is great. I got this.
1: 2021, (laughs) 2020 has got nothing on us. Um, So Larissa, tell our listeners a little bit about you and your business.
2: Yeah. um, So we're a jewelry business based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we really pride ourselves on uh, affordability, but also inclusivity. So a lot of our jewelry um, retails for 75 or less. A lot of it's right around that $50 price point. So quality handmade goods right here. um, Actually, all of it's made in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, um, but also just being a really inclusive brand as well. We just like really try to honor different voices and also like give just shout outs to people in general. Um, all of our pieces are named after amazing, different, um, it actually used to be, uh, women, but we actually went to decide our new fall winter collection would be anybody that would wear jewelry. So just really kind of honoring anybody that would wear jewelry, like throughout history. Um, so we have got some really exciting, um, humans in store for that. So, yeah just really trying to honor everybody, do all the things.
0: Yeah, I love that. And your background, did you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background?
2: Yeah, um, definitely jewelry designer was not the plan. Um, The plan was I grew up in a family business in upstate New York. Um, And so like anybody that grows up, uh, seeing their parents do something, you want to not do that. Um, so I knew I did not want to go into retail. That's a hard life. Um, and so I wanted to be an educator because that's an easy life. I don't know about that. Uh, so I went to school for our education and then I was an art teacher uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota for eight years. And I loved it. I learned so much from it. But um, actually, while I was doing that, I was building this jewelry business on the side. Um, in the summers, I would do art fairs and then one of, um, At one of the art fairs, like somebody asked if I did wholesale. And from growing up in the retail industry, I knew exactly what wholesale was. I understood how the model worked. You know, I grew up going to New York now and walking Javits. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Let me like figure it out. I'm sure my margins were crap at that point, you know, or something like that. But I figured it out. Um, And then, yeah, I led a crazy life for a couple of years where I was actually an art teacher and was uh, doing running my business. Um, So I'd like literally would in the summer months and in the winter months, I would just take my PTO and save it for like the winter trade shows. But I would literally like go to Atlanta and Las Vegas. I mean, there was a couple of times I literally was on red eye flights from trade shows in Las Vegas to my classroom the next morning. I mean, I was going 200 miles per hour. Uh, And then I signed some big accounts and a couple really great people in my life um, one of them was my assistant principal was like what are you doing girl <laughs> and I was like I'm doing it all and she's like are you though um, and so I just really like decided I could always go back to teaching but being an entrepreneur um, and really going after my dream was one something I could only do once um, and so I went after that um, and That was about four or five years ago now, and so yeah, I've been doing that full time now, and um, I have a team of nine amazing humans that work for me. Um, and yeah, crazy times. So yeah, that's how I got here.
0: <laughs> so it is very incredible. You started at 0.5, so half, but right. Yeah. I mean, side hustle. We'll say that. And then now yeah. you're at nine employees. Um, yeah. So how did that? How did that look? When did? When did you stop doing it by yourself? And did you do those trade shows by yourself? Uh, no, I actually had my
2: brother work with me because he also grew up in the retail industry. Um, and anybody that meets my brother, um, he's very charismatic, like just super charismatic. Um, and so he was just really natural at it. And I just really like my brother as well. So we actually started doing it. We would actually do craft shows in the beginning. Like we did run and craft fair and everything. And then he started doing the wholesale shows with me as well. Cause I was like, I'll pay for your travel and your food and you know, all of this stuff. And he was like, at first he was like, that sounds great. And then he got kind of expensive, actually. So <laughs> um, uh, I actually hired my first employee, though, I was definitely still teaching. Um, and I just needed help with production, um, which I think is what a lot of people feel like if you're a maker is like your hands can only physically produce so much. And that's something that usually, you know, well enough on how to teach somebody else to do. So I actually, um, hired this person. It was actually as an intern and definitely was like, uh, just, I felt like I was like, yeah, I'll teach you stuff and it'll be great. Um, and then within like a month I felt super terrible. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to pay you. And then you're just going to make all of this stuff because like, this isn't really an internship. It's different than that. Um, and she's actually still with me to this day, which is amazing. So yeah.
1: Okay. Definitely awesome. has
2: changed since then. She does way more than making now. Although she is the fastest maker. She's faster than me. So, still. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you went from, so side hustle to still side hustle, but you needed help. And I feel like yeah. most people will hire somebody in their family first. Mm-hmm. It's usually I know that when I started my product business, my mom and my sister yeah. were doing everything with me.
2: Yeah, and I probably would have hired if I. So I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I followed a boy. That's how I ended up here. Everybody from <laughs> That's how I ended up in New Jersey. Yeah, upstate New York. Um, I mean, I probably would have hired somebody in my if they were available. I mean, they the business that I grew up in is still there to this day. Um, so yeah, but I think I, I knew that I needed some help. And I think like teaching is that weird segue where you do have those summers off that you can kind of think like, oh, I can maybe grow this. And then you then are trying to balance those two things, which is, I don't suggest what I did to people, but I just did it anyways. I liked the, having that safety net. And I do think that it's important to sometimes have like that safety net there. Like I do, when I talk to other our entrepreneurs and they're like, I think I'm going out on my own. I'm like, do you have any savings? And honestly, I say at the time, like, if it's truly going to work, if you're truly going to make this work, then you should know what hard work looks like. And maybe you should try to start balancing both of them at the same time, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. that might be. So, and then take the dive.
1: Right. So So your brother came to help first. Yeah. That was family. Then you made your hire, which was an intern because it's hard to commit the financial part, right? When I think as a maker, you're barely paying yourself usually. And then thinking, how do I have enough money to pay somebody else to help me?
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think that the logistics of hiring somebody, um, it seemed daunting, especially like eight years ago. I think there's just been so much that's changed now in the world of just like technology and everything where like, you can literally like, There's probably an app on Shopify where it's like, add your first employee. And then it just like walks you through the steps. And, you know, like there's all these payroll things where, I mean, even eight years ago, that seems like really daunting, you know, whereas now it's just like, you would probably Google like hire employee and, you know, Mm -hmm. fill up these forms and then we'll automate this for you. I think Gusto does it. Yeah, I, I think, think they actually do. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Gusto does contractors and employees. So you know, you're doing payroll um, in this case when you're hiring on the full time. Um, but I think that just shows you to go where you have made yourself a bottleneck, right? Yeah, and that's kind of where it was in the making.
2: Yeah, and I mean that is truly like when you start. I think the biggest thing is, is like when I talk to people sometimes that they're always a little bit like, you know, how did you decide to make your first hire? And I always say, well, like when you start asking yourself, should I hire somebody? That probably means that you need to hire somebody. But I think the biggest thing is, is like people are like, who should I hire? And I hired what I knew I could teach somebody. And I do think that is a pretty logical first hire. I don't know how much though it is the smartest hire, like maybe if I had done it again, would I bring in somebody that truly like kind of filled in some of that skill set gap that I didn't have, but I also didn't know that I didn't have that at that time, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's truly like, if you just need more hours in the day, as you're trying to learn your business and figure things out, then maybe it, it it truly is bringing in that person that just, you need more of you. And mine was duplicating my hands to do more of the work. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which is
1: a good point because I think that is the bottleneck. It's you can't keep up with the shipping and the packing and Mm -hmm. the making and it's it's things that are repetitive.
0: So basically, like unless you have to do it two, three thousand times, you probably shouldn't have to hire for it because you know then it becomes like visioning or things that only you could do. But if it's repetitive, then it's something you could put a standard operating procedure Mm -hmm. around and be like, here you do it because I've done it three thousand times and I can teach you how to do it.
2: Yep. And then maybe you can teach them how to do it faster than you do. Right. Your first hire
1: now (laughs) does it faster. Yeah. And the fact that she has grown with you so that it's not that she's going to stay the maker. Someone like that, that also has the drive, Mm -hmm. uh, has, has grown in the ranks. So you did that. So let's, we're kind of chronological here, but you hired somebody to help you make. And at that point you had a few retail stores that you were selling to So kind of what was that next big jump for Larissa Loden?
2: The next big jump was I hired a friend, which also, you know, has good things with it and bad things with it. If I'm being honest, we're not friends anymore. So I'm just going to be honest that, you know, sometimes that's how it happens. You know, but it was really like, then my next one was, I was really looking at what do I struggle with? Um, And some of the things I definitely struggle with are copy and like kind of that, you know, reaching out to customers, kind of that skill set gap for sure. I mean, I think um, all my uh, emails could be in text message format. I'd be a lot happier of a human being, but I know that they can't. Um, So it was definitely finding somebody that could help me do that, um, help me kind of do a little bit more of that admin side of the business, you know, where once again, you're getting stretched thin, there are certain things that you know that you can do, but you probably shouldn't be doing, or somebody else could just equally come in and step in and do those things for you. And so that was the next hire. Um, at that point though, too, um, I, you know, I think when you're small, you have to also cross train everybody. So I always have said like, everybody also though has to know for quite a while, everybody had to know how to make jewelry just in case, like at that point, like, you know, that we, um, needed help, they could come in and pitch in and, you know, make earrings or whatever. So for quite a while, yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, only until like probably a year and a half ago did the first employee hire happen that didn't know how to make jewelry and still doesn't know how to make jewelry, which I'm always like, wow. Okay. That's cool. Cause we got big enough where I did not have to demand that everybody knows how to make jewelry. <laughs>
1: I, yeah. That's a really interesting thing. And in, in the cross training of everyone. So picking up each other's slack, because for you, I mean, we're in the time of COVID right now. And this is the time that we've seen CEO level business owners have to go back and do things that they hadn't probably done Mm -hmm. in a while because of the shutdown and employees having to be somewhere else. Um, Okay. So what would you say to a maker, a new maker that's thinking of making their, you know, their first hire or their next hire? Like what's, what's advice that you would give to them?
2: Um, make the hire. I think that's the biggest thing is people really, they run themselves ragged, um, not making the hire, just dragging their feet on it. Um, and I think like you truly won't ever actualize like what you and your business can do until you give yourself bandwidth to do those things. Um, I do believe I like, you know, probably in like the past, two years, I've heard the term bandwidth being thrown around. And I do believe in it for sure. You only have so much. And the only way to get more of it is to give things off to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll never grow without that. So you need to give yourself bandwidth. Um, So is make that first hire, you know, and reach out to people. I think that's a lot of, I'm seeing a lot more of it, um, but really build that community of asking questions of like, you know, finding people of like, Hey, what should I do with my first hire? Like what documents should I keep? Like, what should I do for my state? I feel like there's this like pride in the beginning of like, I did it myself, pat myself on the back, you know, but you truly like don't know what to ask unless you know. So, I mean, definitely like hire your first employee, understand what the difference is between an employee and a contractor. That's good advice for sure. Don't want, you don't want to get messed up in there. So yeah. Um, You know, and then just really start from there, like get your paperwork in there. And I mean, in the beginning, when you're super small, you're going to be working pretty collaboratively with this person. But as you grow, you're going to need those systems and those procedures in place, which is where we're at now. Like we definitely have systems and procedures in place. And so people kind of know where to go. Um resources that they need and everything like that kind of stuff is super important to have like as you Keep on adding people to that or else you're just going to have people that are really frustrated with you Because they don't know where to find the information and you're going to be frustrated because you feel like you're telling people eight thousand times a day, you know And frustrated people with frustrated people is not what you want to have at the end of the day
0: Yes, never Um, so you know, you're really building a team around being a maker and being a creative team at that too, because they are Mm -hmm. working in the creative industry. Um, what do you think it's the same departments that you're creating as if it was something out of the creative sphere? I do think
2: that it's, I do think it's the same departments, like, you know, kind of wherever you go. I mean, I think like almost every single small business that I see in the beginning they are hiring really those generalists and then like they start adding on the specialists, you know, because in the beginning you do need that level of cross training. There might be some specialty in there, but you can't devote all of your time to that. You know, like that person might be working for you 40 hours a week, but 20% or 20 hours of that might be spent on marketing. And the other 20 hours of that might be spent on fulfillment, you know, and as things get growing and everything, that's really where you're going to see that people are, you know, possibly even rising in your company. Like they bring, get really good at it. I mean, and definitely um, in the year of 2020 and COVID, I've also seen like a lot of people bring new skill sets to the table that they didn't know that they had or hadn't utilized yet because they hadn't needed to. So yeah. People now, always surprise What is it that you, you said
1: to your team at the beginning of COVID or, or it was sort of like.
2: Show things. me what you got basically. Yeah. i mean yeah i was yeah i was like if you have an underutilized skill that i've never really known about now it's time to like scream it from the rooftop you know because i just maybe need that reminder or maybe there was something where you were um It actually like happened today on a a one-on-one. They're like, I know I said like, you know, in the beginning, like, you know, before all of this, that was more operational, but I have a great sales background, you know, and if we need to utilize that, let's utilize that. And I was like, that is wonderful to hear.
1: (laughs) But you (laughs) gave them the opportunity, like you wanted them to show up for you and really push in versus pull back. And those were the employees that showed, showed up for the business as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, because I think that, it's so often, sometimes we just get really lost in the day to day and everything like that. And I mean, that is the one unique thing of, you know, uh, 2020 in, um, COVID times as we kind of have called, started calling <laughs> them, um, is it is a little bit of a time to reinvent yourself and try out new things and different procedures. So definitely like somebody on my staff has great video editing skills. I do not have that skill Um, I could teach myself, but why would I do that? Because somebody else on my staff has it. So, you know, I was like, I really want them to look like this and then you know they just bring it to you and you're like damn that's great you know so yeah um you know it's really about leveraging what you have um but I also like made sure um I really hired quality like a little while ago I started doing like this different program called um EOS and on there is like the right seat in the right fit um and on that I also realized I had more people I'd hire more people to do the work than instead of hiring quality people. So I actually did downsize my company about a year and a half ago now. No, a year ago now. And I had to do some little bit of right fit, right seat, like changes and everything like that. But it actually made it so we were more productive with less people. So I do think that's one of those things is sometimes people don't spend enough on the hiring aspect of it. And that's truly where I think you need to really figure out well, who am I? What is my company's culture? What do I expect out of people? And then, you know, really don't resign on any of that. Like really go for the right people, like hold out. They're out there. So yeah.
1: Especially now people yeah. are out there. You can get some great talent. You
2: really can. Right So, now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So that's one of the things I love about having you in the mastermind with us too, is because you talk about systems and procedures. And I don't know if that's your teacher background because entrepreneur, you were raised with entrepreneurs. You got to see management. You probably got to have your form, your own opinions, but the way that your brain works, like you have been the person that we've relied on for, have you guys set up systems for COVID-19 and what's happening (laughs) or, you know, the PPP is available and these are all the things you have to do. So you're very structured with that, was it always innate to you from the first time you hired, or did you feel like you didn't know what you were doing? And this is something you've learned over the last eight years.
2: This is something I've learned. Um, I truly think, like my, uh, I am not like a spreadsheet person or anything like that. Um, I know I, am dangerous enough. Like I think I'm a jack of all trades. Like I'm just dangerous enough in a lot of things um, to get it done. But I also know what's important, and I know I, I learn a lot from others and watching mistakes I've made myself and like other people have made and trying to learn from them. Um, I think like all of us, we've all had really, um, we've worked for really crappy people. Um, and so I've really tried to make sure that people that work for me don't have that experience because there's nothing, I don't know how owners that make really bad environments live in those environments. Um, you know, before when I was an educator, I would see like, um, you know, just like some really frustrated teachers. And I was like, why do you want to go through your entire life frustrated? I don't understand you, you know? And so that's like that aspect of, I think I do focus on my team a lot because I do believe that at the end of the day, you get so much better work out of them when everybody is united around like that same goal, but also enjoys coming to work and also knows that they're in that safe space, you know, where they can do that work as well. Um, those are really important things to me and that like everybody in my company knows that. So, yeah, I mean, and that was over time for sure. You know, it hasn't been all like, you know, puppy dogs and, you know, <laughs> unicorns. you know, you do learn, I'm not going to be like, it was amazing from day one, you know, yeah. I learn from my mistakes. Like if something's bad, fix it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and now you have nine people or eight people on your team. You have a nine-person yep. team. Do all nine people or do all eight people re- report to you?
2: Pre-COVID times, no. Since COVID times, it we've kind of been reshifting the structure a little bit. Like once COVID hit, I had to like kind of get re back in there a little bit just because I was like, all the systems and procedures had to be reworked and everything. And um, because of that. Um, I had to get in it a little bit more. Now I'm actually two weeks out from maternity leave. I picked a great year, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And so now I've, I've like just told people like before, like, you know, my studio manager, I was like, you have to come, you're, you're, you know, she had to switch and actually do like a love, a certain level of fulfillment and like all of these things. And so now I'm like, you have to start going back to these roles and you have to mold them, you know, back together. But we started talking about that work and that structure and what it would look like about like six to eight weeks ago. So, you know, it wasn't like, I was like, Hey, just so you know, I'm out of here in 10 days. Like maybe we should talk about this. Like, you know, everyone. Yeah. You know, I try to give everybody, like we figure these things out. So that way if something happens, I'm not concerned. So Yeah.
1: So I just want our listeners to understand the scope of your business. So pre COVID-19. Yeah. um, Larissa, you were flying from trade show to trade show to market to market. I got to meet you in New York. Yeah. Um, Tell us the amount of retailers you had when things were normal days.
2: So uh, back in normal time, I like, I to like think about it as like Brene Brown always called it like, it's like in pre-COVID times. Pre-COVID uh, and
1: now COVID. <laughs> yep.
2: Uh, new reality. Um, I had 600 retailers, probably actually maybe like, I need to go actually look back at that data. I think I look so much at my COVID data now. So it was probably closer to honestly like 800 retailers. Um, and we also would do a good chunk of in-person events. Um, so we were 60% wholesale, 40% retail. And yeah, I mean, I was just doing, I was doing um, all your big three trade shows. Um, So Las Vegas, New York, Atlanta, doing the retail and the boutique side. I mean, we were doing events across the country, like giant music festivals. Yeah, the whole whole shebang.
1: I think I remember you saying 800. So I I want everyone to just grasp the fact that you had 800 retailers plus trade shows, all the travel, plus you sell direct-to-consumer on your website and you have an amazing Instagram account. Yeah. So this growth of this business and this team, it's still a small but mighty team, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think the way that, and you're making it all and you have a studio manager, which means you actually have a place that people can come to and shop. So would you mind sharing with us now the, the kind of like the roles or the job positions that people fill so they can kind of grasp what a company of this magnitude has working?
2: Totally. Um, so I have a brand manager, so she's on the leadership um, side with me and she really helps me think about the trajectory of the company. She also, um, is kind of my coach. Like she keeps me on the deadlines and kind of the focus of where the brand is going. Um, and that's the person that I kind of pin ping pong off my ideas on and everything like that. It's like very trusted. Um, you know, also though would have to do when we're doing like the wholesale trade shows and everything like that, that was an expectation. So before how everybody was cross chained on jewelry, everybody had to be a little bit cross chained on shows, um, pre COVID times. So that was one of them. Um, second was an, uh, is an accounts manager. So they manage, uh, all of my wholesale communication and also retail communication. Um, that person has shifted a little bit. They're doing, you know, a little bit more, uh, copy and SEO, we put out a lot of newsletters now. Thanks COVID times. So you yeah. <laughs> need a lot of copy. And then we have my studio manager. So they would be managing the studio. So kind of just that showroom part. Then there's a bunch of makers. She would manages that aspect as well. And kind of the fulfillment, it's like kind of the holistic view of everything. And then people that are hourly. So these are all salaried positions. Um, And then I also have a production manager. So the production manager is really managing my raw materials. We do have contractors that help us make the jewelry as well. Um, And so she would be managing those contractors and, you know, setting up their kits and dropping that off and everything. I then also, um, the rest of the staff are makers slash salespeople. Some of them are, have been with me for a while. One of them uh, actually came from RISD. So, um, he and I do a lot of stuff like R&D stuff and everything like that, which is super fun. We play with like lasers and CNC machines and everything. Really just always try to like, us two in a room is like amazing and also equal parts terrifying. So yeah, we're like, yeah, what if we did this and everything? So yeah.
1: And that's when your <laughs> your team is like, oh no, they're alone together. What are they going to develop? <laughs> I mean, it was itself? actually
2: pretty great. Like we just finished our fall winter collection. And I mean, there was a point where he was like, let's just keep trying. I was like, actually, we do need to like actually wrap this up and everything <laughs> like that. Or else I think we would have just been trying out materials until the end of time. So yeah.
1: And then what's your role then? Now, as you've got this team below you, where, where, what do you do during the day, Larissa?
2: Um, so I do do all of the design still. So that is something that I've always said I could never give up. I have a very particular aesthetic and how things look and everything. It is managing all of those people, which is a good chunk of that, um, as well. And then also obviously like the financials, um, I'm very much so in that. And then still marketing, I think marketing It's one of those things I hear people always say like, I want to, I want to stop doing my social media and everything. And I have to say, that's one of those things that I truly don't know if you can good. Um, It's so tied to you and your brand voice. I think the strongest brands out there are the companies that are still doing a lot of their marketing. So I am in my social media, um, you know, and kind of giving the say on a lot of those things as well, because if you're a maker, you are your brand and people want to hear from you you know? Um, so at the end of the day, like, I don't, I just don't believe that's something you can completely hire out. You can hire out aspects of it, but you're going to be tied to it. So I am definitely, I'm pulled in a couple of different directions for sure. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the one thing that really stuck out for me with you in our mastermind and, Why we wanted to, I wanted to have you on the podcast for sure. Like the main reason is because you have this passion for business just as much as you have passion for creativity and art. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes as makers, they get stuck in the fact that they can't cross over to business because it's, this other identity when it absolutely is not. You can still have a passion for numbers, a passion for team building, building the business that you want, but still be a maker and creative Mm -hmm. and a visionary for your business. So I really love that about you um, in that you, you really are proud of both sides of yourself, you know? Yeah.
2: No, I actually, when I was in um, school for art education, I once had a professor that was like, the gallery is the enemy. And I was like, how do you make money then to pay yourself? And I like always still like that stuck with me. I like, you know, it's always interesting how certain things people say stick with you for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, like if I ever got on a board that was like out of college, I would just, I would make every single artist take a business class. Like, because like at the end of the day, you need that background. Like if you make something, you have to get that business background because they are not exclusive. They are completely intertwined.
0: Yeah. I love
1: that. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I have my degree in my fine arts degree. And I remember yeah. we had our one semester of business senior year. So I was always like, cause they trained us to work for other people, but not actually to be business owners or go out on our own. And I I've said this before to people that I thought that maybe I, I wasn't a good business owner 10 years into owning my own business. I could say I wasn't a good business owner yet. I had a team and I wasn't in debt. You know, I had a great yeah. business, but I thought that I needed that degree or I thought I needed something else. But the entrepreneurship, the spirit, the the ability for any of these makers to think I have to make something and try and sell it and then to hustle and go to art shows or to get it on Etsy or whatever that very beginning is. I think what a lot of people don't realize is not everybody has Mm -hmm. the ability to do that, to think I'm going to make something and figure out how to make it and I'm going to sell it for money.
2: No, you know. and I think and that is and, and I think that's like a little twofold why I say in the beginning, like that you should probably keep working and be working on your business on the side because it it's a hustle. Like there's no entrepreneur I've ever met, you know, that's ever been like, Oh yeah, it was just easy. Like nobody like those two things don't go together, entrepreneurship and the word easy, you know. So if you can't have it's it's a you know, it's a fascinating life. I love it. Like it, it's exciting and exhilarating and it's part of my core and identity but it isn't for everybody. I will say that. Like there's some people that I've met that, you know, they went on to do like nine to five jobs after the entrepreneurship hustle and they're, they're better humans for it. So, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) So now that you are two weeks away from maternity leave, like, what does that look like? How are you feeling and what are you doing now?
2: (laughs) What am I doing now? I mean, I'm having a lot of one-on-ones with my team and just kind of making sure that everything is okay. Like, you know, and I I, I tried to just to have one-on-ones with them in general, you know. Um, now it's actually been the one blessing out of COVID is I feel like we have more private space to have those one-on-ones. Um, I think, and also just a lot of us, like our mental health is a little like all over the place. And so it's mm-hmm. been good just to make sure and check where they are as humans. Um, we do have, so every morning we have a manager meeting at 930 which we do. Um, so I, we do, everybody shares what I call dealer's choice. So you could share a win, um, something that you just did yesterday. It could be personal or business. Um, and then we do a weed and a seed. So setting your kind of intentions and just saying them out into the world. We, at the beginning of COVID times, did like the, your daily agenda and that just felt terrible. Um, and so we switched it up. I do believe um, if something's not working, then just change it. Like you do not need to keep doing stuff. Like if it feels hard, stop doing it and change it and address it. Um, And so we have a safe space for that, which I'll talk about in a, Right now, because that's on Tuesdays, we have what's called our L10. That's um, an EOS strategy. So EOS is entrepreneurial operating system. So I stopped saying acronyms, and people are like, "What does that mean?" Um, mm-hmm. I'm listening. Um, and L10 stands for a level 10. And the reason it's called an L10 is at the end of the meeting, everybody ranks the meeting. They actually give it your meeting a rating. Um, and the goal is to get to 10. Um, we've had 9.5s. I believe I employ a team of perfectionists, and nothing can be. Perfect ever. Um, and so that's why I always joke that they would never have given me a 10. We've had 9.5s, never a 10. Um, and it's funny because when we actually started doing our L10s, like they, um, we had like fours and everything like that. So people were like, you know, we had work to do, you know. Um, but in that L10, we have this thing um, called the IDS session. So that's the issue, discuss, and solve. And so so often in business, we just all talk, 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 talk about issues, but we never discuss them and solve them. You know, we just are kind of venting it out because we haven't made a space to discuss those issues and solve those issues. So the IDS session is really to just, so people put it on a Trello board, the issues are already listed. So that's done. We already know what the issues are. And so we just discuss them as a team and then we solve them. Um, And that's kind of where my job as the owner sometimes comes in is like, I say, okay, like, Let's solve this, you know, and I say, like, let's solve it, try it out for a week. It may suck, but you know, we can move on because a lot of times, sometimes we were like, you can talk yourself into just this giant hole of like, oh, but what if this happens? And I say, sometimes you just got to go for it and then you can bring it back up and everything. And so, like, when our um, check ins were happening during manager check ins, I was just like, they seemed like they kind of. Suck right now, you know, and so we kind of switched it up from, you know, talking about like today I'm doing all of this on my Trello board, you know, to a little bit more of a a meaningful this is where I'm going with it and everything. So that's like our big one. And that's always on Tuesdays, um, kind of from, you know, people that I look up to in the industry. They have a big hard rule of like no meeting Mondays. Like so often people have meetings on Monday, but meeting all of us kind of come back from the weekend and we almost need like a second to really like focus on like where am I going this week and so um also they said because people tend to pre-COVID times travel on Mondays they'd be coming back from trips and so uh there's kind of this rule of like no meetings on Fridays and Mondays so that's kind of how we ended up on that Tuesday um and then I have one more since COVID 10 started, which is a marketing meeting, just because it's become so crucial to, you know, be thinking of all the different marketing strategies and everything. So
0: yeah. tell us about the weed and seed. The weed and seed is actually from I actually
2: found the girl on Product Boss. It's the mm-hmm. saver it's the planner. planner. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna planner. say we do the same day. thing. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned it. I just mm-hmm. love that analogy of like, yeah. you know, pulling a weed and planting, planting a seed. seed. Yep. Yeah. Um, because I think it's so easy just to make your to-do list you know and I think Mm -hmm. the seeds part is huge I think we can like pull weeds until you know but then you kind of hate your day too and I really it's like putting those seeds out there of like just that positivity of like I am going to put this out there into the world and see what happens I love that you know and Mm I love everybody on my team loves it too and really seeing where that seed can grow and everything it's the stuff that we often so don't do any of but can lead to really big things so yeah yeah, and That's where I got it from. Me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I actually do that too. I feel like it's a little bit overwhelming in the planner because they have you do three seeds, three yeah. w- or three weeds and three seeds. And I'm always like, hmm, so many seeds and so many weeds.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. We just do one in one. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you do, meetings? did mm-hmm.
1: you do meetings before EOS?
2: We did. They sucked. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we would have meetings and it was very like um, procedural, like, you know, like this is what has changed in the studio. Like it was a headline some more so than anything. It wasn't this like safe space for discussion. And so somehow in Minnesota, Minnesota is a really big EOS state. There's so many different programs out there. So I will say like, you know, find a program kind of like, there's just a lot of programs out there and find a program that works for you and your team. Um, But there's different implementers in Minnesota. And so one I actually really look up to as a business leader in the Twin Cities community. Um, So I was like, hey, can you come in and actually um, implement this with my team? And I do think that was huge. Um, There's books out there. They're called Traction. You can self implement. I think there is something extremely valuable about removing yourself from the as the owner and having somebody just step in and creating this safe space for people, setting your structure up. Also, gosh, is it just a freaking relief as the owner to not have to lead something for a hot second, you know? And just do you know how
1: long I've been trying to complete traction?
2: Yeah, (laughs) I know it's not like it's one of those things where it's like it's full of such good stuff in there, but honestly, it's tough. Like, I mean. You said you were listening to the audio version. I was trying like to listen to the audio. Oh, I God. do like
1: Rocket Fuel. So it's by Gina Wickman. And yeah. Rocket Fuel, I think, is good for mm-hmm. f- this, first, this first identifying if you're a visionary or an integrator and understanding yeah. that. And then traction, because you talk about it all the time like, yes, let's do this. But if I was that kind of person, then I would be able to get through this book and then implement it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I've <laughs>
0: fallen asleep so many <laughs> times to that book because I've tried the yeah. audio version as well. And I think it's it, it, w- it would be nice to have somebody else just do it.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think like any business book, to be quite honest, like they're... They're tough. They're tough. You know, it's just like there's never been a business book that I've like read like you know front to back and then like, yeah, I read that. Like I read a you know like I said a Harry Potter book. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe because <laughs> Jacqueline's on the call or something like that. And I'm just like, you know, does you <laughs> read
1: it at night when you go to bed? <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I think that's honestly because it's the last full book I've read, <laughs> fifteen years ago. So yeah. Oh, uh, we'll get there soon. Brene Brown's on my nightstand now, so yes. progress. You know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And I think that
1: level of entrepreneur and business that you're going to be at when you're going to be able to implement EOS and traction yeah. is at the point where you could and should probably hire an expert. And I think he has an entire list on his website.
2: He does. Um, and so the person I hired actually does like EOS Lite, which I really loved a little bit because like a lot of EOS people, um, are like diehards. And I always say like, do try stuff out. And so it doesn't work for you, you know, just do something else. So like they keep this thing in EOS called a scorecard. A lot of people use a thing called KPIs with key performance indicators. And we do KPIs. It's honestly almost the exact same thing. Um, just a little bit different of how you talk about them. And KPIs is a little bit more of an industry standard. Like Attraction mm-hmm. is
0: rocks though, right? Yeah. So okay.
2: rocks are a little bit different. So rocks are like, um, so they have this like metaphor is like, so you have a giant glass jar and then, Your rocks are like you're filling it up and you want to fill it up with water. And so rocks are like your big pieces, your projects that are going to get you traction. And then the rest of the stuff is like you're going to be filling up with pebbles and sand and everything. But the rocks are really the core of what's going to move you forward. And so often in business, we focus on like the sand and the pebbles because it's easy. But we never really focus on the rocks, which are going to move you forward. So in traction, it's like you have quarterly, you know, rocks that you set. Mm-hmm. so my team has rocks so these are like giant projects that they're working towards um and that's how we're going to move forward and that's like a big thing is is like setting out those intentions again but the really big stuff that's going to move you forward not just so much the little stuff it's not like i'm going to get five leads you know, that's not, that's not, what are you going to do in your customer journey that is going to set you up for success and getting, you know, always having those leads come in, you know? So not, just because you don't have those leads, but adding that aspect. So it's really like that bigger, big picture stuff.
1: What's a, um, what's a past rock your team had?
2: oh gosh past rock that my team had I, it's so funny like I mean actually customer journey mapping has been a huge one is really understanding like the wholesale journey map versus the retail journey map those are because they're two completely different things a wholesale customer and a retail customer you have to com- treat them completely different um, which means we have to have different newsletters different flows you know um, different ways that we talk to them um, in general so that's been one of them is is a customer journey map for sure one. yeah yeah um, you know, another one was implementing um, a raw material inventory thing, which was this year's rock, which we're still working on. We're now in like phase two of it and we're kind of reviewing it, loving some things, not loving other things, you know, so. <laughs> and probably yeah. also
1: having to adjust. I know you yeah. talked about this at the beginning of mm-hmm. COVID, but basically what do you do when? Supply chain. Supply and chain.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and I think like that's honestly like so much of um, my time sometimes is I'm the one that's adjusting and I'm trying to keep everybody like focused on the task at hand and everything. So yeah. yeah, like they're almost like, I'm like making sure all of their rocks are getting done. Cause then I'm like, you know, <laughs> that's like my part, you know, you're like at the boss at the end of the day, it's like, I am like a big chunk of my days managing, but if they're getting all of their rocks done, like, man, we're making traction. And that's huge. Cause that's four people getting a ton of stuff done versus me. If it was only just me doing rocks, mm-hmm. you know. So like that's four people's efforts versus one person's effort. So yeah.
1: And this is why we wanted to have you on the podcast (laughs) to talk about teams, team structure and all of this, because you add such value to our group and we just wanted to share your amazing brain with our audience, even if it is pregnancy brain. I mean, imagine,
0: (laughs) imagine full capacity full bandwidth brain of Larissa Loden, you know, the baby sucking half of Non-COVID (laughs) year.
2: I did actually before this on Instagram, I like reached out to somebody because of our mastermind call and everything. And then I was Mm like, I ended it with, I was like, do I have your email? I'm sorry. I have mom brain right now, pregnancy (laughs) brain, COVID brain. I'm like, I woke up like, you know, who am I? So yeah. And she was like, LOL, I get it. So yeah, she was like, here's my email. I was like, cool. So yeah. Amazing. Always always authentic, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> um should we ask questions? Yeah, yeah. We we should. Do you have time, Lisa? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yep. Okay, we'll I'll go through these quickly. So you know you've listened for a while. Yeah. So we asked some fun questions at the end of an interview. Yep. So what is
2: your coffee order? Uh, cold brew. We typically um, actually make it at home too. My husband makes really great cold brew. So that's been a perk of COVID. So is there yeah. a certain like
1: bean or flavor?
2: Like, Yeah, actually it's uh, Texas Coffee Roasters from Austin, awesome, Texas. Austin, awesome, Texas is like my second favorite home and uh, shout out to them. They make this great, great, great bean. So yeah. I and barbecue right i think now. you've mentioned their barbecue too Oh, uh, i love us like barbecue out of texas is nothing else uh, special. it's it's very special yeah i miss brisket so much thanks <laughs> mina thanks a lot midwest is all like we do barbecue we do pulled pork i was like anybody can do pulled pork brisket brisket is like dedication that's hours uh. of smoking It really is. the New Yorker, the original New Yorker. Yeah. Um, What is a favorite thing on your desk? When I get a desk back, I will let you know. uh, Okay. Just so everybody
1: knows. Just a desk would be your favorite thing. Yeah.
2: When I started this uh, COVID, I also started house construction two weeks beforehand. So I've had to pivot my desk a lot. But actually, I would say it's for sure. It's um, my picture's that are on my desk of me and my daughter and my dogs and me and my husband, there's been some great memories that have been made over time. And whenever like stuff is really hard, I do love to look at those and I'm like, okay, like it helps level set me a little bit. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So finish this sentence. When I pick up my phone, I,
2: I a hundred percent do what I'm not supposed to do and go to every single app and then ponder to myself, what was I gonna do when I picked up my phone? <laughs> And then sometimes I remember and sometimes not. Most of the time I get stuck in social media. I like look at my notifications. And I'm like, ooh, boo, 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 boo. But yeah, uh, I, most of the time I'm trying to pick up my phone with intention and 100% forget what I'm supposed <laughs> to do <in> the <laughs> afterwards.
1: Yeah. You're yeah. like going to Instacart to order groceries, but ended up on Instagram. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. It's the word the word play is there. So, I know. Yeah. I really
1: get you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You wish you knew how to.
2: Water ski. I live on a lake, and I see people water skiing all the time. And um, yeah, I really want to learn how to water ski. But being pregnant didn't seem like the right time to learn. You could probably ski.
0: still paddle board. I do actually. Oh, but do, Water yeah.
2: skiing is way faster.
1: So, <laughs> you yes. have a you're you're good to go in just a couple of months. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> what was the last show you binge watched?
2: Yeah, Silicon Valley, actually, um, hmm. is well, just this weird HBO tech one that I super love. So yeah, I actually like am terrible. We don't watch a ton of t- like we watch a bunch of like crappy. U- not It's not crappy YouTube. We were watching a bunch of Bon Appetit, but then they stopped making episodes because of things. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Of COVID. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what should the title in your email signature actually say?
2: Oh, I think it, it probably does say this, but CEO boss, babe, like I believe in, you know, just taking it as it is probably <laughs> should have a swear word in there though, too. If I'm being honest, that would probably round it out more.
1: If me. you guys follow Larissa because it's a clean podcast. So if you follow her, you'll yeah. see that she uses some cute, fun swear words.
2: Yeah. Um, swear in airs for the win.
1: <laughs> do you have an alter ego or a stage persona?
2: Do I have an alter ego or a stage persona? I don't but I do feel like I always like there was once actually like it was a previous podcast episode and we were always talking about Don Draper style, and I think I mentioned Miranda Priestley and so I feel like I just need to like justify Miranda Priestley like in like slash Anna winter I always just really respect them for being women trailblazers in the industry before like you know like honestly like anna winter like i don't think she she always gets like this really cold persona i mean i've never personally worked for her but i can only imagine being in a tough industry like that and starting out 20 years ago like that's hard you know like mm-hmm. i, I and so i um i don't know if that's like my alter ego but i do really like look up to her as like you know you know, from five years ago, the fact that this woman got a movie made after her, you know, like, like yeah, yes. Wars product. whether it was a glamorous movie or not, you know, like, you know, somebody makes a movie after you, you did something. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You left
0: a legacy. <laughs> yeah. Um, seriously. Yeah. So what is your most used and favorite emoji?
2: It's definitely the kissy face one right now. I feel like just trying to spend out send out as much like positivity out there into the world. So, so much kissy face emoji for sure. And then yeah. also then the okay, because yeah, it's like, Oh, okay. the okay hand. Yeah. The okay. Mm. It's a lot of okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. So yeah.
0: <laughs> and we very much believe entrepreneur years are like dog years. You learn a lot very quickly. What would you say to baby Larissa, if you could go back and give her some advice now that you're further along in your entrepreneurial journey?
2: Uh, she can help get some help and it's okay to pay for help. Um, I think that, uh, you're just always trying to be so scrappy and thrifty in the beginning, but sometimes, you know, spending 50 bucks can get you 5,000 bucks, um, and save you a lot of time. Um, so yeah, it's okay. You don't have to learn everything. A lot of people have already learned things for you. So trust them.
0: Mm -hmm. I (laughs) love that. Especially with
2: technology. That's very true, actually. Yeah. I don't know why I was like so hard. I just like, was like, I have to do it myself. Like, Why? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why?
1: <laughs> Who cares? Marissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Would you mind sharing with our audience how they can follow you, buy from you and share you?
2: Yeah. Um, so you can find us online at dot Instagram is Larissa Loden, and Facebook is Larissa Loden Jewelry. So all of the great places. So yeah. And we're super fun and sweary bears on social media. So check us out if that's your thing. So, and if not, super sorry, we're not for you. That's cool
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is amazing. So everyone check yeah. her out, her Instagram, all of the things. So yeah.
2: yeah, thanks, Larissa. Thanks, Larissa. Thanks, guys.
0: One last thing before we go, we created this podcast as a reminder, you are not alone. And growing a product-based business is hard. We want to help you through it. So thank you so much for listening and we truly appreciate it.
1: And we want to give a special shout out to those of you that have left a review. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We read every single one of them, including this one from Kara of Shop Chic Mommy. It is titled Loving You Product Boss Babes. I wish I could remember who referred me to your podcast so we could thank them. I'm gaining new, special, invaluable tips that apply to my gift company. Thank you. I'm grateful for you both. Kara, we're grateful for you. And thank you for being in our community and listening to the podcast and leaving this review. So we love reading these and these really help us reach more people and help more small businesses, which is our ultimate mission. So thank you to all of you that have left a review and thank you to those of you that will be leaving us a review. Thanks. Hey guys, wait, before you go, we want to remind you that we've created this incredible masterclass. It is totally free. It is our pivot and sell masterclass where we are going to teach you how to create a plan to boost your sales and grow your business right now. You do not want to miss this. It's totally free. So Mina, where
0: should they go? Go to pivotandsell.com and you guys can get that free masterclass and get started on creating a plan to boost your sales right now.